Hey everyone, welcome to Embers in the Dark, a podcast that seeks to open up scripture as God's revealed word and um, seek truth, understand truth as he's revealed it, and then apply it to our lives. We'll have sermons and conversations and and a few other different things that just seek to open up and expound on God's word, uh, and again, just to, to bring it into application into our lives. Enjoy. Chapter 4, Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. What I'll do is I'll read the passage, explain the context, and then I'm going to actually go to Jonah. So if you want, you can flip over to Jonah as well. We're actually going to be all over the scriptures this morning, um, but the two main passages are Mark here, Mark chapter 4, and then Jonah chapter 1. So you can flip to Jonah chapter 1. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the surrounding context here, and what we'll look at, not this coming week, but the week after is chapter 5, is a series of miracles. Forces of nature, forces of the physical realm. We see here a, a great windstorm on... Lake Galilee, uh, which is, it's called a sea, but it's a, it's a lake. We see the forces of physical death. We see the forces of the invisible spiritual realm in chapter 5. And so the context is a big, scary world. Chaotic. Something that cannot be tamed by man. The boats we build, the dikes we build, the things we do to stop floods and hurricanes and volcanoes and viruses, the things we do cannot stop them. This is the context, the big scary world of chaos and death. And so there's, there's, well, there's only two things we're going to look at today. The first is, who is Jesus? What we want to look at is what this event is telling us. What is this event telling us? And the first thing is, who Jesus is. And then in in terms of application, the second thing we'll look at is what our response should be. So this event is telling us two things. First, who Jesus is. 
And second, what our response should be. And so what is this event telling us about who Jesus is? Well, let's turn to Jonah. The best way to find Jonah, it's, in, it's one of the 12, so it's the last 12 books of your New Testament. Goes uh, after Daniel, Hosea, and then uh, after Hosea is Joel, and then uh, Amos, and then Obadiah, and then Jonah. The best way to do it, what I used to do, is just go into my context, and I memorized all the... I still have a hard time finding little books like Nahum and Habakkuk and those guys. So, Anyways, we're in Jonah. So Jonah chapter 1. I want you to listen. I'm going to read verses 1 to 16. I want you to listen to the similarities that we've just read in Mark. So here's Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 16. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But... The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laden down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come and let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, prophet? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. And then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Notice how the schemes of men do nothing against the schemes of the Lord. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Do you see the similarities between this event with Jesus and his disciples and Jonah? It is a windstorm that has come up in the boat. There is a man sleeping in the back of the boat. 
The people who are not sleeping are terrified because of the windstorm. They do all they can to escape the windstorm, but they cannot, and so they have to awake the sleeper. It's a bit different because in Jonah, Jonah is tossed aside, and then, as we see in verse 15, the sea ceased from its raging. However, in Mark, it's Jesus who speaks and causes the sea to cease from its raging. We see a change of fear. They're afraid of death, the disciples and the sailors, afraid of death. And when the sea stops because of God's hand upon the sea and God's voice upon the sea, they become afraid not of death, but afraid of the Lord. And so what this event is telling us is who Jesus is. It's deliberate. This is a typology, it's called. When we read this, and we know Jonah, it should pull us to Jonah and pull us to the similarities of it. When we read this event, and we look at Jesus in this boat, we are supposed to know and understand who is in the boat with the disciples. It is the same one in Jonah, in the story, the true story of Jonah, who sent and hurled a storm upon the sea, a windstorm, and who then ceased the windstorm. It is the same person. It is the Lord of hosts. When we read this event in Mark, and we ask, who is this Jesus in this boat? The answer is the Lord of hosts. And that is why the disciples at the end are terrified. And so what we're going to do is we're going to unpack what that is by looking at some verses and then we'll apply it. And that's all we'll do. And every time we open up the scripture to look at it, that is the question I want to be on our minds. Who is this man in the boat with the disciples? So first, let's look at Psalm 107 as kind of a, a, just a, a brief image of what's going on in both Mark and, and Jonah. Psalm 107, verses 23 to 30. Psalm 107, verses 23 to 30. Verses 23 to 30, Psalm 107. Some, that is some of God's people, some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, they went down to the depths, their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Sound familiar? Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He, that is the Lord, he made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. 
This is basically just a recounting of these two stories in Mark and in Jonah. So who's in the boat? It's the Lord of hosts. Jesus, Lord of hosts. What I'll do is I'll unpack. There's three kind of subpoints here that I want to unpack. And one is who Jesus is as the Lord of hosts. And the first one is what happens when the Lord comes. And we'll look at a few verses. So we'll go to Psalm 18. Psalm 18, verses 6 to 15. This is David crying out to the Lord. Psalm 18, verses 6 to 15. We'll be in Habakkuk after that if you want to go to Habakkuk, however you want to say. Psalm 18, 6 to 15. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Then, listen, this is what happens when the Lord comes. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. Psalm 46, verses 6 to 9. Psalm 46, verses 6 to 9. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. We'll go to Habakkuk. Again, Habakkuk is one of the 12. It's it's just after Jonah and then Nahum. Jonah, Mike, and Nahum, Habakkuk. Here's Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 5 to 11. So if you're familiar with your Old Testament history, God promises to send the Babylonians or the Chaldeans against his people to wipe them out. And this is what's happening in Habakkuk. So here's, here's what happens when the Babylonians come. Here's the Chaldeans who are the Babylonians. Here's what happens when they come. Verses 
5 to 11 of chapter 1. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation. Here's the Chaldeans. They march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar and fly like an eagle swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on guilty men whose own might is their God. That's the image of the Chaldeans who are coming. Turn to chapter 3. Here's what happens when the Lord comes. Verses 3 to 16. So this is God coming to bring vengeance upon the Chaldeans whom he sent. Habakkuk 3, verses 3 to 16. God came from Timan, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Kushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging water swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. And then Habakkuk's response, I hear and my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound rottenness enters into my bones my legs tremble beneath me yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us it's basically the world being unmade Jeremiah sees the same thing That's when the Lord comes. That's only a few verses. So that's the Lord of hosts coming. Let's look more at what happens when he comes. Exodus, Exodus chapter 12. Remember, we're looking at all of this 
to see who's in the boat. That's what we're doing. We just want to know who's in the boat. Exodus chapter 12, verses 29 to 30. So this is the Passover, the 10th plague. Exodus 12, 29 to 30. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Who killed them? The Lord of hosts. Isaiah chapter 66. Last, last chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah 66. It's Isaiah 66 verses 15 and 16 and then 24. Isaiah 66. For behold... The Lord will come in fire and his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger in fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire will the Lord enter into judgment and by his sword with all flesh. And those slain by the Lord shall be many. Verse 24, and they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an, abhor an abhorrence to all flesh. Jeremiah 51, verses 6 to 19. Jeremiah 51, verses 6 to 19. So the context, again, is going back to Habakkuk. The Lord has raised up the Chaldeans to do uh, his will in order to punish Israel. But now the Lord has come to punish the Chaldeans, to punish Babylon. Jeremiah 51, verse 6. Flee from the midst of Babylon. Let everyone save his life. Be not cut off in her punishment, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance, the repayment he is rendering her. Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand, making all the earth drunken. The nations drank of her wine, therefore the nations went mad. Suddenly Babylon has fallen and been broken. Wail for her. Take balm for her pain. Perhaps she may be healed. We would have healed Babylon, but she was not healed. Forsake her and let us go each to his own country, for her judgment has reached up to heaven and has been lifted up even to the skies. The Lord has brought about our vindication. Come, let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. Skip ahead to verse 14. The Lord of hosts has sworn by himself. Meaning the Lord can't swear by anybody else because he's the highest and, and he can't swear by anything. So he has to swear by himself. The Lord of hosts has sworn by himself, surely I will fill you with men, as many as locusts, and they shall raise the shout of victory over you. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he makes the mist rise from the ends of the earth. 
He makes lightning for the rain, and he brings forth the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid and without knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his images are false, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of delusion. At the time of their punishment, they shall perish. Not like these is he who is the portion of Jacob. For he is the one who formed all things, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. The Lord of hosts is his name. So the Lord comes, and when the Lord comes, he destroys. But this has all been Old Testament. How do we deal with Jesus? Well, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 66, just briefly. And then we're going to go to Luke chapter 23. And then to Revelation. So Isaiah chapter 66. Going back to that. This is the final judgment of the Lord. Behold, the Lord will come in fire and his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger in fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire the Lord will enter into judgment and by his sword with all flesh and those slain by the Lord will be many. Verse 24, and they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me for their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched and they shall be in abhorrence to all flesh. So the point here is that the Lord is going to kill many people. And they're all going to be dead. And all the people who the Lord has saved are going to look out and see all these people because their worm does not die, meaning their conscience does not die, and the fire is not quenched. Let's go to Luke 23. New Testament. Luke chapter 23, verses 26 to 30. Luke 23. Jesus is crucified. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. But weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. They will say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. Because the Lord has come. And the only thing you can think to do when the Lord comes is to say to the mountains, fall on me and hide me from the terror of the Lord. Who is it that brings the terror of the Lord? Let's look at Revelation chapter 6. Revelation 6 verses 15 to 17. Revelation 6, verses 15 to 17. 
Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the wrath of who? The Lamb. The people saying to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. Who's in the boat? The Lamb of God is in the boat. Let's look at Revelation 19. Verses 11 to 16. Revelation 19, 11 to 16. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges, and he makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is the Lamb of God who comes to tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. And so the question again before us is, who's in the boat? And we begin to understand the change in the disciples. We begin to understand, we'll go back to Mark chapter 4. got these four fishermen like you got the disciples the twelve disciples and Jesus but four of them are fishermen four of them have lived breathed their entire lives on the sea of Galilee in a boat and this massive windstorm comes up and they're terrified you've got the other eight disciples who you know the, the, there's no washroom on the boat they're hurling probably over the side they're not doing well. And Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. And terrified, they wake him up. And what does he do? He doesn't pray. He doesn't seek anything else. He doesn't just tell them, we'll just pray and, and you know, God will make the storm go away. It says that he rebuked the wind and the sea. 
verse 39. He spoke. Here's these 12 disciples, absolutely terrified. They wake up Jesus and say, don't you care that we're going to die? And all he does is speak and command the wind to be still. And it was still. They have no idea who's in the boat with them. And I would suggest we have no idea who's in the boat. This brings us to our application about what our response should be. The first response to Jesus, the Lamb of God who brings the wrath of God, who treads the winepress of the fury of God, our first response to Jesus should be fear. Not fear of death, but the fear of God. Jesus says in Matthew 10, Do not fear them that can kill the body, but fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Hebrews 10, it says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And based on the passages we read, we know that to be true. Whether we fully grasp it or not, we are to fear God. After all, it is the fear of the Lord that it is the beginning of knowledge, the fear of the Lord that it is that is the beginning of wisdom. This is what happens to the disciples. At first, verse 38, Mark 4, verse 38, they are terrified of perishing. They're afraid of death. They don't want to die. But what happens when Jesus stands up and speaks and causes the wind to cease? Verse 41, they were filled with great fear. Not at the storm, the storm's gone. The boat's fine, the water's fine. Who are they standing in the boat with? The Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. They are standing in a boat with someone who speaks and causes the wind to stop and stay stopped. Our first response should be fear. Our second response, faith. Not faith in self, but faith in God. This is the gospel portion. What did Jesus do? He calmed the storm. He listened to his disciples and calmed the storm. If we go back to Psalm 18, what happens when David cries out to the Lord? The Lord comes and it's terrifying. I went too far. What does he do? The Lord saves 
David, Psalm 18, verses 16 to 19. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me up out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me. They were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity. But the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. See the same thing in Psalm 33, Psalm 40, Psalm 103. We already read it, Psalm 107, verses 23 to 30. Psalm 147. Isaiah 66, verses 15 and 16. In Isaiah 66, the Lord comes with fire and his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger in fury and to rebuke with flames of fire. Look at verse 17. Those who sanctify and purify themselves to go into the gardens, following one in the midst, eating pig's flesh and the abominations of mice, shall come to an end together, declares the Lord. For I know their works and thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and all tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. And I will set a sign among them, and from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, to Pol, to Lud, who draw the bow to Tabal and to Javan, to the coastlands far away, that have not heard my fame or seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the nations. And they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord, on horses and in chariots and in litters and on mules and on dromedaries to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says the Lord, just as the Israelites bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. Some of them I will take for priests and for Levites, says the Lord. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. For from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. Salvation. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the chariots with fire, he makes the mountains melt, he makes the mountains fall into the sea, he brings death and chaos and calamity and catastrophe, but he also calms the wind and the waves. Our response should be faith because God has stooped down himself in the form of the Son. Not the form, but in the the Son. In the eternal word, God has stooped down to save us. And so we put our faith in the Lord of hosts. Thirdly, finally, our response should be repentance. Repentance regarding our false views of God. Repentance regarding our false views of Jesus. 
repentance regarding our misconstrued, misunderstood understandings of Jesus. The question we have to ask ourselves is who is in the boat? Who are we believing in? Is our view of Jesus just this gentle Jesus, meek and mild? And we wish to look upon a little child and we've never gone past that? We don't know Christ, if that is our view. We do not know Christ. We'll finish with Job. You know the story of Job. Righteous man, given over to the powers of Satan by the Lord, tested in a sense. And Job's friends come and try to give him a pep talk and say that he just needs to repent because he's wrong somewhere. His wife wants him to curse God and die, but Job refuses to do so. And then he starts to question God. He starts to ask him, why are these things happening? And you get to the end of Job and you have the Lord's response. Now, the first thing that we see in the Lord's response to Job is a heavy dose of who do you think you are? Even sarcasm from the Lord. There's even sarcasm. But what we don't understand most of the time, what we don't see, is that in the midst of Job's suffering, the Lord has come to rebuke him. But the important part about that is that the Lord has come to rebuke him. The Father disciplines those he loves. The Lord rebukes those he loves. I'll quote uh, a song by Ghost Ship. It's, It's Job 38. It's the Lord coming. The Lord of hosts has come to answer Job. It starts in chapter 38, goes all the way to chapter 42. A couple times Job steps in and says, all right, Lord, I understand. I got it. I repent in dust and ashes. And the Lord says to Job, stand back up. I'm not done with you yet. He says to Job, where were you on the day that I measured the earth? Where were you when I sunk the banks and stretched the line over the earth? Where were you when I carved out its cornerstone? Where were you the day that I spoke? The day that I told the sun to split the night open? The day that I calmed the morning dawn? Did you shut in the ocean with stone doors? Did you mark the reach of tides on those new shores? Did you do this on the day the waves rose and first broke forth? Have you seen the springs of the great sea? Have you walked the caverns carved in the black deep? Have you seen the armories that I hold? Snow and halo Snow and hail stacked up in silos, held for times of trouble and war and strife. Are you able, Job, 
to raise your voice to the storm cloud? Would the thunder answer you and ring out? And does the lightning ask you where it should strike? Have you cleft channels for torrents? Do you give rain to sprout deserts with forests? Can you hunt prey for the young lions? Can you loose the cords of Orion? Job, is this whole world bending beneath your will? Who are you? And that is the Lord's question to us. When we stand and think we are something, that is the Jesus that is in the boat. This whole world bends beneath his will. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of hosts who saves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. As terrifying as it is, as discomforting as it is to our comfortability, we thank you for it. Teach us, Lord, more and more about who you are. Help us to repent of our false views and false ideas about who you are. Grant us grace, Lord, as we seek you. Help us to understand the great gap between what we deserve and what, according to your grace and mercy, you have given us. Help us both to fear and trust in Christ. Grant us grace, Lord. In his precious name we pray and come before you. For his sake. Amen. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Embers in the Dark. Enjoy your week.